Today's podcast is a story about one woman and her family's experience standing up for something they believe is important. It involves discussions about really divisive and polarising subjects. It's not anti-vax propaganda, but two people having a conversation about issues around vaccines, medical freedom and censorship that they think are important to be able to have without being harassed, censored or labelled conspiracy theorists. Hello. Hi Taylor, how are you? Oh, hi. Good, thank you. That's good. You can hear me well? I can hear you well. Oh, great. That's good. A lot's changed since I first contacted you to be on this podcast. I know. It's it's been a while and um my goodness me, I'm so thankful for your patience with me back and forth, back and forth, but we've we've managed to do it. Um and I'm excited. Yeah, me too. Um, yeah, who would have thought that we'd be in this current state of the world? I know, it's just, um, I mean, I knew 2020 would be a big year, but I didn't realise how, yeah, to what scale, how massive this would actually be and, and, um, everyone around the world is experiencing what we're experiencing right now, which, um, is sort of like bittersweet, I guess, because you feel like, you know, you can relate to other people, but at the same time, it's just, yeah, it's very concerning. Um, but yeah, I've, um, I always re- remind myself of something David Icke says. I don't know if you know who David Icke is. But, yes, I do. Um, he did it. Yeah, he did an interview with um, Brian Rose on London Real not so long ago, and he says that we're in a time of great danger or great opportunity. So I just keep reminding myself that I'm like, okay, great danger or great opportunity. We get to choose what we want to do moving forward. So, yeah. Yeah, well, I really liked um, one of your Instagram posts about mid-March. You titled it, What If? Yes, yeah, I did. So um, that was me literally like up late at night thinking that was just, I think like the day after we went into lockdown here in France. Um, And I was just thinking what if this is all exactly how it's supposed to be for the collective consciousness to actually shift into where we are meant to go like what if this is all perfect and um you know we just surrendered and trusted this process which is easier said than done because two months after lockdown where you're only allowed out of the house for one hour a day is very challenging. Um, but I guess you have to hold on to some kind of hope, don't you? You've got to hold on to hope to get you through those days, those long days. I couldn't imagine what it would be like to be locked down in, in not your own home, but also not your own country. Yeah, exactly. And a foreign country too. They don't speak uh, English is not their first language. So um, yeah, it's been challenging in all different ways. But in saying that myself and my husband, we have such a strong marriage um, that we, yeah, no matter what adversity comes our way, we know we can get through pretty much anything. Um, And we are responsible for the energy and our home environment, especially for our young kids. So we took the challenge on um, and look, every day wasn't perfect. We just made the most of the situation and and tried our very best. And I think we did pretty well. We've only just come out of lockdown, um, you know, I think a week and a half ago, I think it is now, and we're experiencing some kind of freedom. But then it's like, it's again, bittersweet, like, are we supposed to be grateful that we're now allowed outside our house for longer than an hour? Like, is this really freedom? <laughs> yeah. Well, I wonder if it's the calm before the storm. 
Yes, exactly right. I mean, there's a lot of talk that, you know, there's going to be a second wave and we might go back into lockdown and, and just that conversation alone, I think puts a lot of people on edge. Like it puts a lot of people into like this sort of, yeah, like this mindset of kind of just waiting to go back into lockdown kind of thing. But um, the French people here are very different. They're very much um, resist their government, um, you know, the government control. So it'll be interesting to see what actually happens. I think the president's making another speech tomorrow. Wait, what Tuesday? No, Thursday. So, yeah, we'll see what happens. But I was <laughs> taking one day at a time. Yeah, well, that's all you can do. Um, I was more referring to like the future fallout that we will see in six to 12 months time based on yeah yeah the economic situation exactly right. everything exactly right and it's not just in australia it's not just here in france it's it's everywhere um and it's it's yeah it's very interesting to see what the world's going to look like in six months time yeah for sure uh, just back on that um you know looking for the goodness um in South Australia, Adelaide, you know, I've never seen families out together like I have. You know, big groups of them, um, oh, mum, really? mums and dads with their kids, just walking. You know, we do a lot of mountain bike riding, and we've seen a lot of them in the parks, and it's been really nice. It's been really oh, nice beautiful. to have that slow down, just take your time, hang out with your kids. Yeah, and there's been there has been a lot of positives that have come out of being forced inside or forced into uh, quarantine with your family. Um, and I guess that is definitely the benefit is the fact that we, we all get to spend more time with our family and our kids and actually be fully present with them because there is no work to do. There is nothing, nowhere to go. So it just forces you to be just, yeah, right there with your family. And um, that's definitely the positive that's come out of it for us as well, for sure. We, we my, my boys, we've got two young boys, and they have not spent this amount of this much time with their dad in a long time. Apart from the off season, that's when they really get to have their daddy home with them. But this is just this is longer than off season now. This is just dragging on and on and on. So um, they're absolutely thriving with their daddy home. So yeah, that is definitely a plus. When I first uh, heard about you, I just happened to walked past the TV and there was some reporters that were really attacking you. And uh, I thought, whoa, that's it. I, I need to follow that woman. And I did. <laughs> uh, straight away I followed you and told my family and friends to follow you. And we've been, we've been watching you and what you're doing. But um, you know, the, the thing that I'm interested in is how did you get here? How did this, yeah, how did, how this, did I get to this? Yeah, how did you get to this point? How did this start? Goodness me. Wow. Um, <laughs> it's a long time ago, I feel like now. Uh, it started about six years ago, to be honest, when I lived in Japan with my husband. He was in uh, a Japanese rugby team at the time, so we were living there for a couple of years. And I had a lot of time on my hands to just do whatever I wanted to do, basically. Um, and what I was into at that time was learning about holistic health. And so I used that time um, to study and watch documentaries and read books and join seminars and, and do all of the things that my soul was, yeah, really calling me forward to do. Um, and so it really started off as a blog. I started this Tazeway blog on Instagram um, and eventually a website and it was really just to help my family and friends understand that if they made simple changes 
uh, in their diet and, you know, swapped toxic products in their household for non-toxic products, how much of a difference that would actually make um, in their overall health. And so it really started on that journey. It was mostly about what I was cooking at the time, my recipes that I was making, the workouts that I was doing. Um, and then it eventually evolved into something more deeper than that, which I, I always say, if you go down the path of holistic health, you eventually are going to stumble across vaccines because, because if you are addressing, you know, the toxins in your environment, such as your food and the water that you're drinking, you can't not address the toxins that you're injecting into your body. So um, I came across vaccines and I, I remember the very first book that I read really on this topic was Dissolving Illusions by Dr. Suzanne Humphreys. And that book absolutely blew my mind as to, you know, we had a medical doctor who was speaking out against her own industry. And I just thought that was so amazing. Like I hadn't come across many doctors like Dr. Suzanne Humphreys, who was really, you know, had um, one experience of being in the system and seeing how everything works to now on the other side of actually exposing what's happening inside the system and how unsafe vaccines are and the history of vaccines. So that really um, sparked my curiosity and led me down this path of investigating vaccines and, and doing my own research. And then, yeah, I just remember ordering a whole bunch of books off Amazon and got them shipped to my house in Japan and um, just started from there. And then I, I watched, uh, I remember watching the truth about uh, sorry the truth about cancer documentary series by Ty and Charlene Bollinger, and they sort of mentioned vaccines in that documentary series. And so yeah, one thing led to another. I didn't even have kids at the time; we weren't even pregnant. I just there was something in it. It was all I can really put it down to was my intuition was telling me to keep looking at this and keep trusting that this information that I'm uncovering um, is for my highest good, and I need to learn this because I knew that I eventually wanted to start a family very soon. So. Um, at that time, yeah, I didn't have any kids, wasn't pregnant. And so then it went down this whole journey of just starting to share what I had learned on my blog. <laughs> that was for my family and friends. And at that time I had, I really didn't understand how controversial this topic was mm -hmm. and how much hostility it would, it would sort of raise when I was posting about, you know, the ingredients in the vaccines and, and did you know that these doctors are speaking out and, and saying that they haven't been tested for safety properly um, and they're not even as um, effective as we're led to believe as well. So when I started posting on my blog, I remember getting um, a little bit of backlash from some family and friends and I was like, oh, wow, okay. Like I didn't mean for it to be offensive. I was just thinking, you know, you have kids surely you would want to know this information and so again that was just another sort of experience in my journey that kept me like pushing forward towards learning more about this conversation and, and vaccines and so then I started to get into um yeah really posting about it more regularly on my pages and I, I just found a big gap of of not many um i guess you could say like wellness bloggers in australia really talking about vaccines and vaccine safety i mean you can find some practitioners um and dr judy wileyman is amazing who i've been following for so long but in terms of like actual sort of i hate to say the word but like influencers and like public figures not that i even was one at the time because i only had like 300 or so followers or whatever it was um I just really didn't find anyone that I was kind of following for inspiration and really talking about this conversation and really posting about vaccines so I thought oh, okay well I'll just start doing it then <laughs> I just start posting about vaccines and and one thing led to another then I started um 
where did I start really? It was the, it was really posting about it on my blog. And then I had the idea to run workshops because I just had so many parents coming forward and saying, um, you know, I had no idea what the listed side effects were. My doctor told me that this was safe, did not even say that there was um, any major risks involved. Um, I didn't have the chance to read a vaccine package in, sir. I just got told that this is what we were doing. The vaccines on the day and that was it, not realising that it was like up to eight doses of vaccines being injected in, in one visit. And so I just thought, wow, there are way too many parents who actually have not given true informed consent in Australia especially and there are way too many parents who have been left with um, dealing with the injuries and the consequences of vaccinating their children with no support from the government or the system or even an acknowledgement from the medical establishment that, that this actually was caused by the vaccine so uh, I created my making informed choices workshops um, last year and I originally had planned to do just like three or four but as soon as I released the workshops, they literally sold out within days. And I thought, wow, there is a, a massive demand for these workshops. So many parents and people are actually not getting enough information from their own GP. Um, and there is a gap um, to actually facilitate this and bring people together, not just for the information, but for the community. Like so many parents on this journey feel, feel isolated and they feel alone and they think that they are the only ones that are going through this. And then when you get in a room with a bunch of like-minded people, you realize there are so many of us from all different walks of life and it's not just this you know the stereotypical hippie from Byron Bay that the media want us to believe it is all different people with all different stories and different journeys and so these workshops honestly took um took off and they took a life of its own to be honest and they just kept evolving and kept growing and, and they all sold out and it was a massive success um and i only stopped doing them because we uh, my husband was still playing rugby at the time rugby league he signed um a contract here in france so that was, yeah, and after nine workshops in Australia, pretty much back to back every month, um, not only was it, it was amazing um, to just bring people together and meet community and, and just come across different people, but it was, it did take a toll on my family, especially my children, because mummy was so busy um, getting this work done. So coming here, being in France has actually been a really beautiful blessing in disguise for our family because we have a lot of time together. Um, and now I actually run my, my workshops online. So um, yeah, anyone from around the world can jump onto my online workshops and yeah, learn more information about how to make truly informed choices for their, their families. Yeah, my youngest daughter attended one of your courses in Adelaide. And uh, her, oh, beautiful. Yeah, her and her uh, boyfriend had no thoughts on what to do, but they were confused about it. But um, after the course, they decided that um, they didn't need to vaccinate their little baby. And uh, I'm really proud of them. My, yeah. my elder daughter's the same. She's got two kids and they're healthy, healthiest kids you've ever met. Yeah. No, I, I was vaccinated and um, I vaccinated my kids. But there was no internet. I didn't know about researching or anything like that. But when, when my kids had their vaccine, vaccines in, say, the late 80s and early 90s, uh, they, they were probably having maybe six or eight. There's up to 60 now mm. or more. Mm. What's changed? 
how's the world gotten, gotten more dangerous with all of these viruses and bacteria, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah, what's changed? Why so many? The the big thing, the big reason why it did change is because of the the 1986 Act. I don't know if yeah. you know much about yeah, it, do. but that was passed in in America, and so it gave um, pretty much gave the vaccine manufacturers um, immunity. Yeah, imagine being a manufacturer that is not liable for their product. Yes, exactly. That's it's a, that's um, the best best uh, business strategy or um, decision that um, I'm sure any business would love to have for not actually, um, you know, having consumers be able to sue them if they have a faulty product. And not only that, but then it'd be rolled out. Um worldwide and become mandatory so yeah they pretty much have a free run that's why they just keep adding more and more vaccine doses onto the schedule because society most of society right now um, is still under the illusion that you know the more vaccines that we have the better and this is how we best protect our children and um, I'm so excited to see more and more people questioning that and actually waking up to it and realizing, well, actually, no, we don't have to inject our children to keep them healthy. There are so many other ways to do it. Um, and we have been literally evolving with viruses and bacteria since the beginning of our human existence. So do we really need to fear these viruses and bacteria? Like that's another really important question that parents need to sit with. Do you actually need to fear what they are trying to program you to fear? Because if you look at the different viruses and the bacteria and you understand how it presents in the body, how to actually treat it at home naturally, um, especially if you've already boosted your child's immune system and you've cultivated this strong microbiome where whatever pathogen or invader comes into their space, they're strong enough to fight it off or they overcome it. And then once they do, I mean, you've probably seen this with your own kids and your grandchildren. Once children overcome, um, you know, a mild childhood infection, it's like they go through this leap and they all of a sudden, um, you know, start saying more words and, and they just, it's like they hold, they go through this whole developmental leap where they become a lot more intelligent and tuned in and switched on after they've gone through this fever and this mild childhood infection, which so many parents are so scared of. Like they don't want their child to get sick. And I understand that. Like no one wants to see your child severely sick, but the childhood infections are there for a reason and we actually need to see it um, as a positive part of their childhood development, not actually see this as something scary. And when my children get um, sick or or they get ill, which is not often, and it's never really severe. It's actually never severe. They've never really had a severe illness. I know not to fear it. I know just to help assist their bodies through that process. And once they overcome that, um, they're so much stronger for it. And they have, you know, a stronger immune system, which is what every parent on the planet hopefully wants for their child. I was just going to say, uh, my husband he said something in, I don't know, I'm pretty sure it was in one of his posts or he said something to me while we're going through this lockdown. And he was saying how, you know, the fear of this virus will get you, will destroy you quicker than the actual virus itself. And it's so true. Like yeah. you can see how quickly fear like literally ripples through the whole entire community when, you know, now everyone's wearing masks and now everyone doesn't want to touch each other. And now everyone's like staying inside and, and forgetting, you know, the importance of sunshine and fresh air to boost our immune system. Um, and now everyone is just doing as they're told. And, and that's the thing. When we are in a state of fear, the government can, can control us and they can manipulate our decisions. So that's exactly where they want us. Um, and so the, the quickest solution, I think, 
out of all of this is to get out of fear, come back into love and empower yourself with information to really be able to take back control of your, your own health and your family's health. Yeah, I agree. When you were doing your, when you first started doing your courses, that's probably when the media were at their worst towards you. What was that like? Yeah, they really tried their hardest <laughs> to make sure that my workshops uh, were shut down and not successful. Um, and I had to put a lot of measures in place in terms of safety and security. Um, and that was no joke. Like they uh, put a massive target on my back. Um, and so um, they added a lot of pressure and stress to my plate, or they tried to. Um, but at the same time, I knew that the media coverage for these workshops was going to be absolutely amazing for this message because they literally helped get you know, my workshops out to more people than I could have ever reached. Um, it was like the best free marketing and or advertising campaign that they gave me was blasting my workshops across all of the newspapers, across the news channels, you know, the morning news. Everyone was learning about what was this wag doing running um, workshops on vaccines. She has no qualifications. How dare she? Who does she think she is? And so it really got people questioning. I mean, I guess that's how you found me. It really got people thinking, well, who is that? Like, who is that lady? And, and how does she have the guts to actually do that? And, um, and I think that was the best thing. It actually brought more people to my pages. It got more people questioning. Um, it, it helped more parents connect the dots between their child's vaccines or their latest vaccinations and uh, the reactions and the injuries. Um, and it really just encouraged more people to just investigate before you vaccinate. Even if you didn't buy a ticket to my workshop, which they were limited anyway, and they all, they all sold out because they're only sold 50 or even uh, I think up to 60 tickets for each workshop for a reason. I, I needed to keep it small, um, mostly for security and safety reasons, but also just the intimacy when you have parents um, you know, opening up their hearts and sharing their journey of, of what had happened to their child and, and now their child is severely disabled. Um, you want to make sure that the environment in that in that workshop is um, supportive for those sensitive parents in particular, understandably going through such a hard time because they're left to deal with the financial burden of um, a government recommendation or even a mandate because you have to vaccinate your children to get them into daycare. So um, the media... They helped me in a massive way, but they also, they did cause my family a lot of distress. Um, they did uh, send a lot of trolls and bullying our way as well. Um, but we always just kept holding this high vision, knowing that, yes, there's always going to be backlash. Every time the media write an article about my family, there's always going to be backlash. That's just a given. But on the flip side of that, we believe that the positive um outweighs the negative and we get more exposure this message reaches reaches hundreds of thousands of people um, if not maybe even a million people around the world um, and more people can find out what it actually looks like to make a truly informed choice when it comes to vaccinations yeah pete evans yesterday he virtually said the exact same thing you just said with regards to the negative media is actually a positive yes and, uh, that's, I heard him say that. Yeah, yeah, that was that was a really good twenty-five minutes. Yeah, he um he pretty much said exactly, um exactly the same thing I would always say, and that is um 
yeah, the, the positive, there are a lot of positives that come out of media exposure and media attention. Um, and just, yeah, I actually think you can use mainstream media to your advantage and in terms of getting a clear and consistent message out to the masses when people are reading over and over again that what you stand for is pro-choice and medical freedom over and over again. Sooner or later, they're going to really sit with that and that seed's going to be planted. And they're going to think, hang on, they're actually, they're not telling me not to vaccinate. They're actually just saying, look, we think that everybody should have a choice. And if you don't want to vaccinate, you shouldn't be forced into it. Um, so, yeah, I think it was really powerful what Pete did um, on, you know, one of the biggest uh, radio stations across Australia um, and also, you know, around the world. They're, they're highly recognised. So I woke up yesterday so excited <laughs> to hear his, his interview. I don't know about you, but it just, yeah, yeah it oh, really yeah. makes you feel like we're winning. Well, it's... I think um, Del Bigtree said it the other day when you know there was a negative discussion. He said, "Yeah, but people are talking, and that's what we want. We couldn't have exactly. asked for anything better is to get people talking. And um, it's now not about really the vaccination. It's about you being able to choose. Exactly right. So you should be, you should be able to choose. Mm. So the conversa- with anything, not just with not just with vaccines, with anything. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Especially if it's going in your body. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. You should be able to choose, and and um, you should be able to schedule, and you and you should be able to feel safe in a doctor's surgery without him telling you to get out if you've refused a vaccine. Yeah, it's exactly a, right. It's it's all topsy turvy at the moment. There's um, it sure is. Did you have any trouble, or have you met met many mums that? Uh, scared to tell their mums that they haven't vaccinated or they don't want to vaccinate? Not so much their mums. It's usually their mother-in-law. Yeah. <laughs> it's usually the in-laws. Yeah, that's um, Because okay. even with, we've got, we've got, I work with a lot of mums um, who are, yeah, they're definitely brave enough to have that conversation with their own mums because obviously the relationship is different and their mums don't always agree with them. Um, but, yeah, it's usually with the in-laws um, not knowing how to have the conversation, um, which is what I help a lot of mothers with. And it's really just about owning your choices at the end of the day. And even when other people or your in-laws or even your own family try to sort of sway you off your decisions and plant these seeds of fear and doubt, um, you have the responsibility not only for yourself, but your children to take back your power and stay strong in your convictions and know at the end of the day, you know your baby best as the mother. You know your baby inside and out, back to front, up and down. You know how they breathe, you know how they move, you know a slight little twitch if something's wrong. So it really comes down to trusting your maternal instincts and backing yourself. Um, and I always say, you know, um, time always will tell when you are raising a vaccine free child and your family don't really believe in your belief system. But usually over time, they, they see they see how healthy the children are. They're like, oh, well, OK, they're, yeah, they're, they're never at the doctor. Mm. They don't go to hospitals. Yeah. They don't need any medication. And then the families start to come around because they actually see how healthy and well the children are. So they realize, OK, well, you don't actually need vaccines to stay healthy. Like that's a lie because there are other ways you can do it clearly um these children are so so amazingly intelligent smart healthy they never see they hardly ever see a doctor so yeah the proof is in the pudding i we always say um and i think that that speaks for itself like my i always say my children are a picture of health like 
that speaks for itself. Don't ever tell me that I need to be injecting or putting a needle into my child's body when my children have done so well up until this point because I've put so much focus in their, in their nutrition and breastfeeding them and having little to no toxins in their home environment, making sure that they're outside almost every day as much as possible, getting the sunshine, like simple things like that, like clean, filtered water. Um, yeah, and so that's usually how, how I how I coach women who I come across um, and yeah, just really getting mums to back themselves a lot more because from the get go, mothers are just brainwashed and programmed into not backing themselves and not trusting their own instincts and handing their child's health over to somebody else like they know better when really we know our baby best. Yeah, well, as I said earlier, before the internet, um, you trusted the doctor and the health centre nurse and you just went along with it because they were right and you had no way of proving otherwise. But now there's exactly. a lot of information available and like you say, Dissolving Illusions, that was my first book as well and I loved it and there's plenty more for people to read to be able to, you know, do a bit of research, just scratch the surface. That's yes, all you need to do, scratch the surface and you'll, you'll find out there's a lot. I always say um, to people, like once you start, in really truly researching and investigating like there's no turning back like and, and it's a learning process every single day there you never get to this place where you know it all not even the doctors know it all so it's constantly you know learning about the new information and the new research and the science that's coming out this year like in every year um and really yeah taking it in and understanding okay wow there are so many doctors now that are exposing the truth about vaccines um, and they're honestly the doctors that we need to be paying attention to. Um, what about you and your mum? How did that go? Yeah, so I was raised um, definitely in a pro-vax family. I was, vac I was vaccinated as a child. Uh, my parents didn't even think twice. They just did as they were told. They thought that this is just, you know, what you do. This is how you keep us healthy. Um, and when I started to do the research myself, um, I was sending a lot of information through to my own parents and asking them, like, did you guys know this? Like, did, were you ever told this from the doctors? And they were like, no, never, never even questioned it, just did it. Um, and so at first my mum was definitely open to it because my mum's a very open-minded person. And she was like, yeah, like send me through the information and started reading and watching with me and learning about this information. And as she did, she was, she became, um, I guess you could say like angry at the start because she, she said she had no idea what the ingredients were, how many, the side effects, et cetera, et cetera. And um, when it came to my dad, my dad was really scared at the start when I told him I wasn't going to vaccinate my children. He said, no, Taylor, you have to vaccinate. You've got to protect them. And I said, yeah, but dad, did you, do you know how many vaccines are on the schedule today? And he's like, he only thought it was like a handful. Like he just thought, oh, you know, just four or five. Hmm. And at that point, um, that was like three years ago now. I think maybe even four years ago. And at that point on the schedule, by the time children turned one, they had uh, 28 doses of vaccines in their first year of life. And I told him that. And he said, oh, wow. Okay. Why, why so many? And so we just started that conversation there. But um, 
I'm grateful and thankful that my parents are open-minded and, and anything that I say or information that I send through to them, they will take the time to listen, even if they don't fully agree with it, they will take the time to listen. And so um, over the years now, because we're my whole family's on this journey, um, my parents have kept doing their own research and yeah, they, they feel even more strongly about this conversation probably than I do sometimes. Like my dad will literally tell people like, don't go and get the flu vaccine because you know, it's very dangerous and blah, blah, blah. So, and my dad's a concreter. Like he'll be out on the job site. And he'll start talking about vaccines. It's the best. Yeah. Oh, that, how good's that? Yeah, I love it. He's planting his seeds in his own way. Yeah. You mentioned um, about injuries and people will say, oh, but they're few and far between. I went to see Vaxxed, the original movie. And I went with my daughter and her husband and my wife. And at the end, it was a it was a screening in Adelaide where they had a Q and A afterwards. And the lady, the lady doing the Q and A, said, "Okay, uh, anyone with a vaccine injury child, stand up." And you know, pretty much three quarters of the cinema stood up. Mm. And I just started crying because I didn't know. I had mm. I had no, no idea that. You know the the the, in, the extent of injuries, and uh, the fact that Australia doesn't have a vaccine injury program mm. is a disgrace. It is. It's criminal. Do you want to talk a little bit about that and how that works in other countries? Yeah, well, um, in America, they have what's called a vaccine injury court that's literally paid out over four billion dollars. Um, in damages to families and parents whose children have suffered a severe vaccine reaction. And mind you, that's only a very small percentage of the actual cases that go through successfully in that vaccine injury court. That's not even, that's not the total picture. It's a think, very small percent. Do you think that's because um, doctors aren't trained to relate an injury to a vaccine? I think that's part of it. Yeah, 100%. Doctors are not taught um, in their studies. I mean, there would be what you see when you you take your child and they give you this like one sheet of paper that says the side effects like a fever and maybe a rash and a bit of a red swelling on the injection site. Like that's the side effects that they're taught to look for. They're not actually really thoroughly taught to like, you know, what to look for on the vaccine package insert, what that actually lists from my understanding. I mean, I could be totally wrong. I'm not a doctor, but when you speak to so many parents and when they talk about what the side effects that were listed by the doctors themselves, that's what you're told. Oh, it's just a fever and a rush and some red, you know, swelling on the injection site. So um, that is part of the problem, but also because parents are not um, able to give true informed consent. They have no idea um, that yeah. what is actually listed on a site um, as a side effect on the vaccine package insert um, could very much happen to their child. So when their child does suffer a really bad reaction, um, they're like, oh, well, I, I, can't, I don't know for sure, but it just happened straight after the vaccination and, and maybe it was. So then they talk, talk to the uh, GP about it and they say, oh, no, it was just a coincidence or it couldn't have happened from the vaccine. and Because there's just not this... Um, deep enough understanding of of the the long list of side effects that can and do occur after you vaccinate and so that's a big part of my workshop is understanding what the actual risks are um, and so yeah going back to the compensation programs in Australia 
we have absolutely no compensation program for anyone that's damaged or injured by a vaccine. And so I say it's criminal because you can see what they're doing right now in Australia. They are literally mandating the flu vaccine for aged care facilities, for frontline healthcare workers. Uh, they're even talking about it for daycare facilities now. Um, if you want to put your child in daycare, you they have to be fully up to date with the schedule. So they are forcing vaccines onto healthy people without any compensation program in place. So if you get injured from a vaccine or if your child is um, severely injured from a vaccine, you there is no uh, way to hold anyone really accountable. And if you do, which uh, was the case in Perth with the uh, Saba uh, Button, I'm pretty sure is her last name. Um, her family did actually get compensation, but that was a long drawn out process. And that wasn't easy to do. I know other families who are trying to go through that process and it's still, yeah, it's very, very hard and challenging. There's, not, there's really no one um, that is truly held accountable or liable if these vaccines do harm. And they do, they do. We can see it, you just said in the vac screening, like three quarters of the room stood up. That's not um, rare. That happens all of the time. I even ask that question in my own workshops and the vac screenings that I've been to and just the mums that I'm around. I'm around, I'm around a lot of parents and they will constantly tell me what happened to their child after they vaccinated and that's mostly why they stopped vaccinating. We're actually not anti-vaxxers, we're ex-vaxxers because we yep. vaccinated, we saw the damage that it did and then we stopped vaccinating. Yep. Um, and then we started on this journey of researching. So to have no compensation program in place in Australia, knowing that we use almost all of the same vaccines in America and America has paid out over $4 billion in damages, again, is absolutely criminal and disgraceful in my eyes. Yeah, especially when uh, no jab, no pay and no jab, no play is mandated. Exactly. Hmm. So, and even with the whole NRL situation right now, I mean, who, so if they're rolling this out across the board, which was one of the biggest arguments that we just had with the flu vaccine, but now they're, they're wanting to mandate the coronavirus vaccine that's not even here. Yeah. Um, who is actually going to be held liable for the damage that comes after those vaccines are injected into the healthy athletes? Who's going to be held accountable? That's what the big question that everyone needs to be asking. Like, who Defin can I actually sue? It definitely won't be the chief, chief health officer. Yes, exactly. Mm. It's always, you know, they always try to um, deflect. Oh, well, it's the vaccine manufacturer. Oh, well, no, it's the government official. Like, it's just one big, you know, circle that they have you run around um, and make it hard for parents to actually claim any, any kind of compensation. The NRL situation was interesting and um, I kind of was hoping that all the players would stand up and say no. Um, and I understand why they didn't, but uh, it was a kind of an opportunity missed. Yes, big opportunity missed. Mm. Yeah, I um, I have strong feelings about that because I could have seen um, the potential for it to really change the game um, in so many areas, and not just for NRL, but um, sports across the board for Australia. Um, and now you see that you know what AFL is going through. 
Um, and I truly believe when you stand up in solidarity together, regardless of what team you're from, um, you have the potential to make a huge impact um, and send a strong message to the powers that be that we're not going to stand for this. You're not just going to get away with trying to force everyone into this vaccine to play a sport. Um, and so, yeah, I agree. It was, a, it was a big opportunity that was missed, but unfortunately that's, that's out of my hands. We're not in the NRL anymore. We're actually <laughs> over here in France. So I tried my best, but at the end of the day, it's it's up to the families that are in NRL at the moment. And there were a lot of um, different opinions, a lot of different families um, that were involved in this whole process. And, and some wanted to be loud about it and some didn't. And um, yeah, unfortunately, that's just the way that it happened. And I just, yeah, I just, I guess I just have to trust and surrender that that's how it was meant to play out um, and that something bigger is coming in the future. Well, at least it was still part of the conversation and that people are thinking and listening and maybe from that researching. But I think maybe once again, the lack of action was based on fear, fear for yes. you know, losing your job or fear from being labelled or, you know, all those fears. Um, so I can see why. Yes. Mm, and that's, again, that's when we're operating from a state of fear, that's how they can control us. That's how they keep us quiet. That's how we um, just hush, hush and toe the party line and do as we're told when we're operating from this space of fear because, um, yeah, it's just, it's crippling when you are being driven by this vibration that is scared and doesn't want to lose your, you know, your paycheck, which I totally understand, yeah, but I same. am not a person that operates from a place of fear. I always come from love and know that even if I do lose my paycheck, there's always something um, bigger and better to come out of that. I always believe, um, you know, this isn't about me or my husband or what we're doing. This is about something bigger than ourselves right now. Um, and we're not the type of people to wrap our identity around the job that we have. We're just here on earth right now to get this message out um, and fight for our baby's freedoms. And if that means that we've got to sell up everything and we've lost everything and we're living a motorhome for a year or so, then so be it. That's just the Sounds way like that we, we operate. <laughs> yeah. Just back to the um, side effects and the ingredients. You know, at the moment, people are when they shop, they look at the um, label on whatever they're buying because they don't want to have sugar or whatever. Imagine if they had half of these things on just the normal product that you'd buy and it said encephalitis exactly. or it said death or it said half the things that the vaccine insert says, would they buy it? Exactly right. Imagine if we actually got to read the ingredient label of the vaccines that we're injecting into our babies, how much... Um, different we would actually think about this medical procedure and, and that's that's yeah it's one of the reasons why they don't want us truly informed because if we understood all of the ingredients that we're injecting into our children a lot of parents will be asking a lot more questions and the gps would have to answer to us um and unfortunately in many experiences that i've come across with parents the gps can't give them the answers to their questions that like simple questions that they're asking the gps can't answer it so mm. um yeah yeah, I've just been reading um, Judy Mikovits' book and uh, I believe her. I, I like what she says. It doesn't make any sense that there's uh, human fetal cells and animal cells and all this sort of stuff in a vaccine. I don't, it makes no sense to me. Mm. 
and they'll say that it's, you know, only one child from the 1960s, or they're trying to dismiss it as, you know, it's not this big deal. But um, recently, my, my husband posted, and I think I posted it as well, um, in America, they're trying to lift the restrictions on um, the use of aborted fetal tissue for research purposes when it comes to vaccine development. And so you know that it's you know not this old procedure of the pusses. They're still actively seeking this tissue to use um, to develop vaccines. And it doesn't make sense to me either. Like surely in this day and age, we could be using something else. Um, and not all vaccines are cultured off an aborted fetal cell line. Um, but yeah, just even even with the pig cell line and the dog and, and the monkeys, you know, the the D tap is cultured off a monkey cell line. So it's just yeah, when you listen to what Dr. Judy Mikovitz has to say, it just rings true. It makes sense, um, and she explains it so well. Where you can't help but not question what on earth are we being told? Um, about vaccines and being made to believe that they're safe and effective when clearly they are not. Yeah, well, you'd said it before about, um, you know, going with your gut feeling or your, you know, what you're born with is, which is, you know, curiosity and intuition. And if those things are screaming at you, then you need to pay attention. Exactly. Yeah, really, it's going to be interesting because her uh, pandemic movies now been banned and uh, we're seeing more of that happening across all the social media channels where people have been banned um, censored removed shadow banned i don't even know what shadow banning is so it means that you you have your account still uh, but they are purposefully or intentionally um, push your account down to the bottom so it's harder for people to find you you can't search you easily like they will hide your post so um, the engagement or the reach doesn't um, get to thousands of people um, they will like specifically sort of um, flag or red flag your account where you can't reach as many people as what you usually reach um, it's harder to find you it's harder to see your content it comes up as um, you know not available so um, you still have an account, but yeah, people can't really see your content. It's just another form of um, censorship, um, and it's it's modern day book burning. It is modern it day is, book burning. It? What's going on right now? Yeah. yeah. Well, I've uh, been following a few different Instagram accounts, and yours is one of them. And you know, you say oh, I'm not seeing any posts from that person, and search them, and you've been unfollowed. But you have to go and refollow them. So there's something yes. behind the scenes that's unfollowing me from you. Yeah, so it's like the tech bots that come in and, and go through my like my followers' accounts and like unfollow. Like so many people have said that like I follow you, but some some for some reason I'm not following you, yeah. and someone's like switched my my account off. And um, yeah, it definitely happens. It definitely happens. But you know, we're we're thankfully we're smart individuals. We can just jump back on and suss out what's going on and figure it out. And unfortunately, um, right now I I'm. I'm really only on Instagram and Facebook and also a bit of YouTube. But um, with, you know, this day and age, we're going to evolve into another platform. And there are already other platforms coming up 
um, through the ranks that are uh, much more suitable for free thinkers and people who just care about free speech. Um, so yeah, I'll definitely start to merge my content over to another platform soon enough because my, my account is definitely being shadow banned and censored big time. But um, I think the most important thing is to really stand up towards this censorship and not tolerate it. Like say you can't actually, you can't do this. You can't yeah. just shut people off uh, because they don't speak about um, the things that you think that they should be saying or, or um, you know, accusing other people of spreading misinformation when it's not misinformation. I mean, doctors at the World Health Organization and top scientists have said this is not misinformation. Um, it's actually the truth. You know, if I'm posting information straight from the vaccine package insert, that's not misinformation. That's straight from the manuf vaccine manufacturer. That's helping people actually understand what's in vaccines and the side effects and helping them make a truly informed choice. So um, how are they getting away with this? I don't think they're going to get away with it for much longer, to be honest. Well, in, in I think the, there will be people who are doing. In the days of free speech, you know, why are they doing it? Are they afraid that what you're saying is the truth? Yes, exactly right. They are definitely afraid. There's too many people waking up now and they, they know it. We are waking up. Um, yeah. We're not going back to the old way of thinking and that's why they are coming down on us so hard because their message is getting out and they can't stop it. You cannot stop the truth. Um, what's that saying? There's a quote. Uh, the truth, something like the truth doesn't need to defend itself, let the truth out, and it will just pretty much run free. I butchered that quote. I don't even know what it was called, but it was something along, along the lines of that. Like, the truth doesn't need to defend itself. You let it out, and it will just, it will run free. It will go. It will spread and ripple effect and um, impact so many people's lives, and that's the danger of this message is it's the truth, and they don't want people realizing um, that what we've been programmed to believe um, has been a lie for like decades, if not, you know, hundreds of years since the inception of the first inoculation from smallpox. Yeah. People seeking information, they'll label you as a conspiracy theorist. And they'll say to you, well, who is, who is they? Who, who are they? Who are those people that are banning you? Um, it's definitely uh, the heads behind the uh, social media platforms so like Facebook, Instagram or well, Facebook owns Instagram. Um, yeah. It's government officials. It's uh, specific skeptic groups that are set up in Australia um, who are just made up of, there's some doctors in there, but it's mostly just everyday people whose whole job is to literally just get on and report content um, and ring up, um, you know, com complaint lines um what was a, the latest one that i've had come through um it was something like um report a scam or something so now i've got people who are from this organization of like report a scam watching my content um i've been flagged by them i've been um i've had complaints made to um, government agencies about me i've gotten letters like just people who are trying to cause um yeah, just a ruckus basically and just make your job a lot harder and get you to fill out more paperwork and stuff like that. So um, it's definitely coming from different areas like the government, social media platforms, um, certain troll groups. But yeah, there's too many of us now. Which there's too many of us awake um, that even if my platform was to go down, I guarantee you there'll be a lot more people out there who keep speaking about this, um, you know, that come years after me and even after my children as well. Like, this is not going to stop. 
Yeah, when I look at the, the conversation and you say someone that's uh, doing their research and posting things that are interesting that they think other mothers might like to read, they've got nothing to gain except for their health. Whereas if you exactly. if you look at the um, pharmaceutical company, they've got billions of dollars in this. So, you know, if you, <laughs> I just it makes me mad. Mm. You have to think: Does a an industry like that truly have our children's best interests at heart? Or do they care more about their profits? Because like I said, going back to, you know your baby best, you as a mother and the dad and even the grandparents, but mostly the, the mother and the um, father, we have our baby's best interests at heart at the end of the day. Because at the end of the day, if we vaccinate and something goes wrong, we're the people and the ones that have to be um, cleaning up the mess afterwards. We're the ones that have to stay up late at night, consoling our children and making sure that they're okay and keeping an eye on them when they're unwell. Um, so it's not the vaccine manufacturer that looks after our children when they get sick. It's us, the parents. So yeah. they don't, you know, they don't, they don't truly care about our children's best interests because if they did, um, there would be more incentive to make these vaccines safer. Um, but there is not because they don't they're not held liable or accountable. So they just uh, like I said get a free run and just do whatever they please um, The government agencies let them get away with it and they put more and more vaccines onto the schedule um, And they are yeah billion if not trillion dollar industry And so you have to think about it really if if that's an industry that's supposedly supposed to be about health then why is it so hard to hold them accountable and why are they making so much exactly. money yeah. off these vaccines? Mm. Exactly. Hey, you were talking uh, earlier about the mandatory flu for nursing homes. My wife and I went to visit her grandmother the other day and we, we don't have the flu shot and obviously couldn't go in, but she came out to the lawn area and we were stood on outside the fence. So we would have been maybe five metres away from her and the manager came out and moved us on. Really? Hmm. Wow. How sad. Yeah. How have we gotten to this place in society where that's how, um, you know, that this is how we are able to, or not even able to see our loved ones in aged care facilities now that we have to be forced into this medical procedure. Um, that is probably, the flu vaccine is probably the most ineffective vaccine on the market today because we know the strain changes every single year. It's like a mm. big guessing game. Um, but yeah, I mean, I have to say like, thankfully at least you could sort of see um, your loved one. There are a lot of parents and people that I'm speaking to that can't even have anything like that they can't even stand or or like even look to their grandparent through the window like it's insane that we have let it get to this point and i think more of us need to actually rise up together and say no this is not good enough i should be allowed to see my mother or my dad or my my grandparent um if i want to and my my mother-in-law works in an aged care facility so she can see firsthand what's going on and she told me last week or um the week before that one of her patients has literally lost 20 kilos in the last month because he has not been able to see his wife or his son because they won't get a flu shot. And it's just devastating. Like it's, yeah. it's traumatic. It's traumatic to think that, you know, where the government is leaving 
um, our elderly to basically pass away on their own because they're not, they're not allowed to see their relatives if they don't get a flu vaccine. Like it's, it's, again, it's criminal. It just, it's infuriating to me. And obviously to you guys, like you just experienced that firsthand, what it was like. Yeah, well, there was no application of common sense that we weren't um, outside of any guidelines. Uh, and yet she was just covering the, the company mandate. So covering her ass, mm. but she couldn't apply common sense and go, oh, yeah, that's, yeah, fine, yeah. Oh, no, you can talk to her when you walk past, but you can't stop to talk to her. Oh, my goodness, how ridiculous. It just, oh, it just doesn't make sense. <laughs> yeah. Um, a lot of people, when they um, the default to the why you should get vaccinated, they talk about Samoa. Mm. Everyone always loves to bring that one up because yeah. I, I, I basically got blamed for the deaths that happened in Samoa last year. Mm. Um, and look, there are a lot of, I posted about this a lot on my page. There are a lot of different underlying factors that have to be considered when you think about that situation and the outbreak. Um, the fact that number one, there was a, a rollout of the vaccine in early September uh, before the outbreak actually happened. Number two, um, there is well-documented and well-known um, cases pretty much in every village of Samoa of uh, very um, low vitamin A levels. So um, unfortunately, Samoa is a country that is not um, healthy. They are, what's the word? nutrient deprived, especially when it comes to vitamin A. Now we know vitamin A plays a really important role when it comes to measles and recovery. Um, and then also when the outbreak was happening, the treatment that was given in hospitals was not a treatment that is supportive um, of a healthy immune system to overcome an infection. Um, it's my belief that it actually made uh, the children or the people a lot worse when they were administering antibiotics um, and fever reducers or um, Panadol, which is something that I believe, and um, you know, I've got, there's a lot of doctors that back this up. You should not be doing that. If there is a fever, the fever is there for a reason. Mm. The fever is there to assist the body to fight off the infection. You do not want to be reducing the fever because it helps um, the infection to spread and to become um, even more severe. And so also with antibiotics, um, you only use antibiotics, number one, for a bacterial infection, definitely not a viral infection, which is what measles is. And we know that um, antibiotics wipe out the good and bad bacteria in your gut health, which is where your immune system is. Your immune system is in your, your gut. So if you want a healthy, strong immune system, you do not want to be giving anybody antibiotics if they're trying to overcome this infection, um, especially in a country like Samar. And yeah, like I said, Unfortunately, there are a lot of um, nutrient-deprived children in summer as well, um, well-known um, across the country that the villages are very deficient in vitamin A. Um, you know, clean running water is hard to come by. There are a lot of different um, infrastructure issues going on over there right now. And yeah, unfortunately, the government's hands are at the mercy of the World Health Organization, which we know is basically funded, is funded by Bill Gates. Um, and their only solution for infectious diseases is what? Vaccines, more and more vaccines. So there are so many different factors involved in that um, outbreak that happened in Samoa. And I constantly still get blamed for it because everyone was, you know, loves to 
point the finger at somebody. And this is a thing when, when there's tragedy um, and children are dying, of course, like it's emotions are heightened and people are looking for like, well, why did this happen? And unfortunately, a lot of people were pointing the finger at me when they should have been pointing the finger at that finger at their own, their own government. Um, and even, you know, really taking back responsibility and control of their own health, um, not placing it in other people's hands, understanding the importance of, you know, breastfeeding and nutrition and clean running water and all of those things, which they knew how to do. Our ancestors know how to do that. They knew how to do that. Um, and unfortunately, um, since we were colonized um, and the Western way came through, we've lost touch with a lot of our ancestral roots. Um, and it's very much now we just medicate, now we just vaccinate, now we just use formula. Now, you know, we you, we feed our children junk food. It, when I go to Samoa in the corner stores, there's nothing but basically junk food, um, refined sugar, processed um, drinks, soft drinks. That's it, not, yeah, it's very, it's a sad situation, but yeah, it's just, yeah. It's a tough one because was, that was um, a really tough time for our family to go through. But, you know, now in hindsight, you can see why it's happened and, and the different factors that were involved. And, you know, hopefully we learn from this moving forward. Wasn't there an issue uh, a couple of years earlier where the kids were given a tampered with vaccine? And then so uh, there were, yes, there were two children um, who passed away in Savai, which is an island off the main um, the main island um, and they put that down to uh, medical error or the nurses error so the nurses are in jail for that um, and they said that they mixed uh, the wrong they mixed the vaccine with um, the wrong solution basically it was mixed with something else it shouldn't have been with, mixed with and then injected into the child or the children who died instantly after their vaccine. So there was a big controversy around that, but um, not just with those two children. Before that, there are two other children. Um, the family now lives in New Zealand who died after the MMR vaccine. And so that family completely got um, forgotten about. And these two children, yeah, unfortunately, they suffered at the hands of the medical establishment, which everyone loves to just pass off as the nurse's error. But yeah, I guess, um, I guess we'll never truly know the truth, to be honest, because there's a lot of corruption in the islands and a lot of okay. things being covered up. Yeah. Let's just say that. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Uh, we haven't even touched on the current um, coronavirus situation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've been thinking about everything else. <laughs> Which is humongous in itself. But yes, it is. The, yeah, there's a, there's a talk that, you know, we won't be back to normal till we've got a a cure, which is a vaccine, a vaccine that's not tested um, rigorously or even on animals. I don't know if that's true. My wife fact checks me all the time because she said I shoot from the hip with a lot of wild information <laughs> and she's really good at it and I'm grateful for her. But um, what do you think? So with the vaccines being fast tracked, uh, bypassing the animal studies. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, um, I mean, we know that that's happening because Dr. Fauci over in America um, admitted that um, that it's, yeah, I mean, not only that, but in the UK, I'm just reading articles that are coming out of the UK um, who are doing human trials um, 
and they're using the meningococcal vaccine as the placebo against the coronavirus vaccine. Yeah, so how again, uh, how does that work and how can you truly determine the safety profile of this coronavirus vaccine when you're comparing it against another vaccine? So yeah. um, it's very dodgy. They're fast tracking it. They're skipping the animal studies. Um, and if you think about, I mean, when I look at into vaccine research, you can see that there are a lot of testing and trials done on animals first. And it's not just for a month or two months. It, it's usually a lot longer than that. And so um, they're fast tracking this vaccine because they know that a lot of the world is like waiting on this vaccine to come and save us. And they also know that there'll be a time and point where the virus is actually going to run its course through society and there's going to be no need for this vaccine anymore. Um, yeah, there won't be many cases of coronavirus anymore because it's already, you know, we've gotten what's called natural and real herd immunity. So um, there's definitely a race to get this vaccine onto the market, especially when you're thinking about Bill Gates's agenda and him saying, you know, we're not going to go back to normal until there's a vaccine. Um, I think that the more that this actually plays out and gives people time to look into what the hell is going on and people realise that they are being told that you can't go back to normal unless you have a vaccine, they start to think twice about it. People start to really think about it when they are forced or, um, you know, there's a potential of themselves being vaccinated or injected with something. So um, I think it's, I think as much as it's dangerous and it's um, scary that they're actually skipping the usual steps or fast tracking it, like speeding it through the process. I think it's also a good thing because um, there'll be more people who are skeptical, skeptical of this um, yep. and really start to say, hey, um, I don't want that. <laughs> Thank you very much. I can just do other things that have been proven to help with coronavirus, um, such as sunlight, such as, you know, fresh water and, and you know, even things like vitamin C, hydrochloroquine, stuff like that. Unless it comes down to being punished for not taking it, like you can't go overseas or you can't go to a restaurant or you can't drive or you can't play sport. Yes, exactly right. Which mm. is why we need to really come together now and um, resist and get loud about it and say, no, we're not, we're not accepting this. We're not going to be forced into a corner um, and made to take a vaccine, um, especially healthy adults and especially anyone who's um, under the age of 60. Like we know that it is not a severe illness for people who are under 60 years of age. Hmm. Yeah, it's it, none of it adds up, does it? It doesn't make sense. The pandemic. Yeah, no, it's um, it doesn't make sense, and that's the best thing about it. It doesn't make sense. So you know, everyone's like, "What? Why do we just shut the world down and crash the economy for a virus?" When most people, if you get it, you it's a mild illness and you recover. Like we're not focusing on the recovery rates. This is the, this is the thing. If you watch mainstream media where is a conversation about the recovery rates and covering the stories of people who had it and then and actually came out of it fine yeah. why aren't we seeing those stories across the media it's always the fear 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 and it's always oh we're only going to have um you know we're only going to get out of this if we have a vaccine that's it it's just so repetitive and becoming predictable where people are just have had enough especially people whose businesses are suffering because of this complete scam i call it a scamdemic <laughs> yeah it's a good word so it's not now it's not just the mums who are afraid for their children it's the whole world now having to decide whether they're yep. going to have it or not it's everyone 
Mm. It's everyone now. And this is the thing. Um, the movement has just grown even bigger because like you just said, it's not just the mums um, on the front lines anymore. It's just everybody who is faced uh, with the potential of being injected with something they don't want to be injected with. Yeah. Not, they're not allowed to choose. Exactly. Mm. So what do we do? <sighs> we come together as a community. We send our letters into the into Parliament, into the MPs, into the Prime Minister, because even if we think that those won't do a lot, I can guarantee you, you knew, you might have seen it yourself with these MPs down in Victoria, posting about it on their social media pages, yeah. how they're inundated with letters. If we keep doing that and consistently do that, soon enough they'll be they'll have to pay attention to what the constituents are saying. Um, we take it to the streets. There's national rallies going on this weekend. Um, we do letterbox drops. We talk talk to um, our neighbours about this situation. We encourage people to educate before they vaccinate. All these little things add up. You don't. We don't have to expect this big change overnight, but it's planting seeds over time. It's actually having the courage to have this conversation and maybe post about it on your socials. Um, it's listening to podcasts like this podcast to actually spark your curiosity and, and understand, um, you know, there is something bigger going on than what we are made, being made to believe through the media. Um, it is signing petitions. What else is it doing? It's just, yeah, really mobilizing the community to take action together because um, together we have more power than the people in power right now. And, and that's the thing. If people just um, realized if we came from, you know, love and hope and um, abundance, not from fear and scarcity and lack. We could actually win this a lot quicker than we think we could. Yeah. I, with regards to the courage, when you see uh, the, the woman that was dragged off in Melbourne with her uh, son, you know, people are scared of going into to rallies or to marches. You know, they've lost that courage. How do they get that? How do they how do they become courageous? I think they have to link up with um, the like-minded people around them, whether that be their friends or their family. Link arms, still turn up to the rallies and do it um, peacefully. Also, um, be smart about it. For example, um, in Sydney this weekend, they actually have a police permit, so the police know what's going on. Um, and uh, yeah, obviously respect that there are rules for this rally. So obviously the social distancing um, restrictions are still in place. So there is a way to go about it. And I think that in times like this, especially when we see mothers being arrested like that, I think that's even more reason to get out on the streets um, yeah. and not, not hide. I think we should actually get out even more after stuff like that happens yeah. um, and show them that we're not going to be scared into hiding and um, and shutting up. We're actually going to stand here on the front lines over and over and over again until someone starts paying attention and realizes that you cannot force a one size fits all medical procedure on every single person in the country. That's right. Oh, well. And not only that, but our freedoms being stripped away. Well, we better get down there then. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Please do. <laughs> if I was in Sydney, I would be going to the rally. Yep. Okay. Well, there's one in every city this weekend. Yes, I posted about it on my page. So if you want to find out more information, I'm not the organiser. Um, 
but I'm just supporting my friends who have organized it and just getting the message out because uh, people need to know that, you know, there are many of us are willing to stand up right now and take action. Um, and when you're in that environment and you're around other people um, who think the same as you do, it's, it's inspiring and it's empowering and, and the momentum's there and we just, yeah, we've got to keep that momentum going. Yeah, my eldest daughter's just started a Mighty Networks group and uh, she's gathering women that are like-minded that to a space where it's safe and they can talk amongst themselves and they can meet and their kids can play. I love that. That's beautiful. Yeah. Well, good on her for doing that. And that's all it takes really is one person to just help facilitate something like that um, and not just bring people together, but to just to allow the healing process to take place um, in terms of not feeling isolated, in terms of just being heard and seen for your story and acknowledge that, yes, we believe what you say. You're not this crazy person who's made this up. We know that this has happened. Um, and, yeah, it's just community is where it's at. Um, and this is why, you know, my Tazeway movement is a grassroots movement. It's always going to be about the people, for the people. Um, and I'll always be amongst the people because that's just, yeah, where the love and the heart of the community is at. Yeah, well, I'm grateful for you doing it. That's uh, yeah. There's not many people doing it, and uh, it's awesome that you are. Thank you. I appreciate that. It's not an easy road, but um, it's one that I refuse to give up on because I look at my babies every single day, and I think to myself, if not me, then who? And if not now, then when? So I'm just going to get out there and do it. Awesome. Well. With that, I will let you go and have your day. <laughs> Thank you. It's still morning here in France. So, yep, off to the park with the kids now. Get some sunshine and fresh air. Thank you so much for uh, being on this podcast. Yeah, thank you so much for having me and, and for being patient with me. I'm so glad that we finally got the opportunity to jump on and, and have a chat together. It's really, um, it's been beautiful. Thanks, Anthony. I'll chat to you soon.